0: Job chapter 32, do I have the mic at about the right height on my tie there? Okay, alright, okay, good, All Right. Job chapter 32, the pastor mentioned this morning I had been here seven or eight times, you were right on the mark, this is my eighth time, I checked my records this afternoon. I, first time was in uh, 2013, I was only here for Sunday morning that uh, time and then came back in uh, 2015 and every year since then. And the pastor also mentioned this morning that he's been keeping records to make sure I wasn't preaching the same sermon twice. <laughs> this guy's sharp. So I'm going to admit to you tonight, I am using the same text that I used before. And I'm going to admit to you that the first 10 minutes, I'm going to review what I preached before, but I am preaching some new material tonight. So we're going to go back, and we're about, about 10 minutes. Now, I don't expect any of you, except Nosy back here, <laughs> to remember uh, any of what I said two years ago. <laughs> but I'm going to review quickly what I said two years ago, and then we're going to use that uh, to, to, to build on. We're going to lay that as a foundation, what I said two years ago, and then we're going to build on that. And, and I'll explain explain that to you a little bit more in just a minute. But in the book of Job, there is a man by the name of Job. And you have to understand, when we say in the Bible or in the book of Job, we're not talking about once upon a time there was a fairy tale. That, I mean, this is the Bible is a very accurate historical book, and and so I'm talking about a real person who actually lived in a real place, as real as Chino, California. Uh, so this man by the name of Job. At one time, he was one of the wealthiest and wisest men in his entire part of the world. And God and Satan were having a conversation one day about Job. And Satan said to God, sure, anybody would love you if you treated them as good as you treat Job. God said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let you do anything you want to to Job except kill him, and we'll see if he still loves me. This is not the sermon tonight, but Job did pass the test. He still loved God. But uh, Job lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his health. And in one day's time, uh, all ten of his children died. Job had three friends that came to visit him to comfort him, and they wound up not being as much comfort as you would have wanted them to be. But uh, Job chapter 2 through Job chapter 31, you don't need to turn back to Job chapter 2, but from Job chapter 2 to Job chapter 31, there's this big, long conversation between Job and his three friends. They go back and forth talking to each other. And in Job chapter 32, a fifth person shows up in the story. I say he shows up. It's the first time he's mentioned he had been there the entire time. We'll see that in a moment. And his name is Elihu. And so in Job chapter 32, Elihu is introduced and begins to speak. So if you'll look at chapter 32, verse 1. So these three men, Job's friends, ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu. I want you to notice that the very first thing we're told about Elihu is that his wrath was kindled or he was angry. Verse 2, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachel the Buzzite, uh, of the kindred of Ram. Against Job was his wrath kindled. We're told twice now that his wrath was kindled, that he was angry, because he justified himself rather than God. Verse 3, Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled. That's a third time, because they had found no answer and yet, had condemned Job. Verse 4. Now when Elihu had waited till Job had spoken, because they were elder than he, I want you to notice that of the five people in the story, Job, his three friends, and Elihu, Elihu is the youngest man in the group. That's that's significant. I want you to remember that. And we'll come back to it in a minute. Verse five, when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. That's the fourth time now we've been told. The first thing we were told, and four times we've been told, this kid was angry. I'm beginning to get the impression he has lost his temper. This kid's out of control. He, he's 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 angry. Verse six, and Elihu the son of Barachel the Buzzite answered and said, "I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore I was afraid and durst not, or dared not." show you mine opinion. Verse 7, I said days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Uh, Elihu is admitting that those who have lived more days than him and more years than him ought to be the one doing the talking. And he's admitting that they're the one that ought to be teaching the wisdom. Verse 8, but, this is Elihu speaking, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither uh, do the aged understand judgment. Now you might remember when I was here two years ago, I mentioned you can never take any one verse in the Bible and and let it uh, and, and try to and, and take it out of context and just read that one verse and fully understand everything it's saying. You've got to put it into context. And if you, but if you take that one verse, verse 9, and pull it out of context and look at it by itself, it sounds like it's contradicting the rest of the Bible. Because all through the Bible we're taught that the aged should teach the younger. Uh, you know, the the, the the Bible says that one generation should teach the next generation. Uh, Solomon said many, many times, my son, give me thine heart. My son, hear my commandments. My son, hear your mother's law. Uh, 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 in the New Testament, the, 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 it says that the aged women are to teach the younger women to be keepers at home and, 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 and so forth. So that verse, verse 9, is not teaching that great men are not always wise. It's not teaching neither do the, underst- the, do the aged understand judgment. It is recording the fact that a young man who had lost his temper blurted out that statement. All right, verse 10. Wherefore I said, hearken to me, I also will show mine opinion. Now let's skip down to verse 17. Elihu Elihu is still speaking. I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show mine opinion. When I was here last time, I told you that this is the only place in the Bible where anybody ever admits he's giving his own opinion. And isn't it amazing that the only person out of the whole Bible that ever gave, that ever admitted, he was given his own opinion, was the youngest guy in the crowd who had lost his temper. Hang on to that in a minute. Verse 18, For I am full of matter, the spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine, which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. In their day, they didn't have plastic bottles or glass bottles, they had leather bottles. Put new wine or grape juice in that bottle and sealed the top as it began to ferment and created gas, that leather bottle would swell until it would burst if you didn't vent the top of it. And he said, I've got something I want to say. I want to tell you my opinion. And I'm so anxious to do it, I feel like I'm about to explode. Have you ever been there? (laughs) I've been there before. I had something I wanted to say, and I felt like if I didn't get to say it, I was just going to explode, you know? And, And okay, in our day and age, we use the phrase, get it off my chest. Well, he was just getting it off his chest. Well, he's saying the same thing, but just in a different culture. So he's saying, I want to get it out of my belly. That's, that's what he's saying. Got something I want to say. And then verse 20, to me, sums up the whole thing. Elihu says, I will speak that I may be refreshed I will open my lips and answer Elihu is telling on himself he's admitting that the reason I want to tell you my opinion is because I'll feel better when I get to do it I've been there before haven't you haven't you had something you wanted to say and when you finally just blurted it out and said it you felt better because you got it off your chest you got it out of your belly but the problem is When I blurt out, especially in anger, my opinion that makes me feel better, nobody else feels better. (laughs) And Elihu's admitting that he blurted it out so he would feel better. Elihu wanted those older men to respect his opinion. That's why he criticized their opinion first, trying to not bring their opinion down a few notches before he gave his opinion. Uh, All of us want somebody to respect our opinion. Every single person in this room tonight who's ever had an opinion about something, you hoped somebody would respect that opinion. And I said, I think I said it this morning, but the Bible is not just a book about spooky things off out there in space somewhere. The Bible is a very practical, hands-on manual on how to live life here on this earth. And even something as, I don't know what word to use, but even something like, I wish somebody would respect my opinion, the Bible teaches you how to accomplish that. But a two years ago, I explained to you that for 22 years I oversaw our college on a daily basis. I conducted the staff meeting every morning Monday through Friday, uh, the staff and faculty meeting every morning before the classes started for 22 years. One time during that 22 years, I took about six months, and one morning per week I taught the staff and faculty at the college 26 different things that you can do, the Bible teaches you can do to get people to respect your opinion. And when I was here two years ago, I gave you one point. Don't get scared. I'm not going to give you the other 25 tonight. (laughs) But I am going to give you a few more of those tonight because I think it will be very helpful for you. It will improve your relationship with your family members. It will improve your relationship with your neighbors. It will improve your relationship with your distant relatives. It will improve your relationship with the other people at work. It will improve every relationship you have in life if you learn what the Bible teaches, what we should do to get people to respect our opinion I'm not going to go back and reteach point one I'm not going to go back and reread all the verses but I'm just going to remind you what point one was point one was if you want people to respect your opinion don't give it very often (laughs) and the Bible talks about us limiting our words and so forth and I'm going to go back into all that and I don't know if I told you this last time or not of the 26 points I taught the staff and faculty at our college That's the one they like the least. (laughs) You know, so it it goes uphill from there. So let's go to point number two tonight. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles. Uh, If you would, hold your place there in Job because we're going to come back in a moment. But turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. I'm probably going to give you three or four points tonight. Uh, maybe five. I don't think that many, but I'm gonna give you three or four. But they're much quicker than the, than last time. I gave you a point. I gave you one point. It took the whole time. Uh, but tonight I'm gonna give you three or four uh, points that go much quicker. Uh, but in Proverbs chapter four, we're going to read verse 24. Proverbs 4, verse 24 says, Proverbs 4:24. Put away from thee, uh, put away from thee, a froward mouth. Notice that word froward. It's not forward. It's froward. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and preserve and perverse lips. Put far from thee. The word froward refers to something that is not governable, something that you cannot govern, something that you cannot control. Have you noticed in the last several years? Okay, let me go back. Do you remember what it used to be like several years ago when you were out on the interstate and these big, especially when you were in between towns, you know, going cross country and these big uh, semi-trucks would just come zooming by you, doing like, you were doing 55 or 60 and they were doing 80, 85, 90. You remember that? Remember those days when those big trucks used to just zoom by you all the time? But they don't do that much anymore. Have you noticed that they go about the same speed as the rest of the traffic nowadays? Have you noticed that when one semi for him to get past that other truck, have you noticed that? Okay? Well, the reason for that is in most every state in America today, they they require those big trucks on the truck, they put a governor on the engine and that controls the speed. You can take your foot and, and shove the gas pedal all the way to the floor. I don't know why you call it a gas pedal. You, could, you can shove your foot all the way to the floor and that truck's only going to go the speed that that governor will allow it to go. And this verse talks about a tongue that doesn't have a governor on it. So my Second point is this. If you want people to respect your opinion, govern your tongue, or control your tongue, or or here's here's I'll write it down like this. Limit most of your opinions to your own area uh, of responsibility. If you want people to respect your opinion, don't spend your life giving your opinion about everybody else's responsibility. Give more opinions about things that affect you. Now, I'm going to tell you why I don't want to give you my opinion about his... I'm uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you why I don't want to give you my uh, opinion about my responsibilities. I am willing to give you my opinion about his responsibilities, and here's why. If I give you my opinion about his responsibilities... I can't be proven right or wrong because we all know he's not going to listen to what I say. We all know that if I give him my opinion about his responsibilities, he's not going to listen to what I say. He's not going to implement what I say. And so I can't be proven wrong. So the rest of my life I can say, see, I told you. If he would have just listened to me, see, I told you. just listen to me, but if I give you my opinion about my areas of responsibility, now I've got to put up or shut up. (laughs) Because now I have the wherewithal that I can prove my opinion right or wrong, and it might be wrong, and I don't want to take a chance on it. So, number one, if you want people to respect your opinion, don't give it very often. Number two, if you do give it, give it more often about your own areas of responsibility than you do other people's of responsibility. Number three. We're going to move through these kind of quickly. Number three, look at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 13. Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward tongue the forward mouth uh, do I hate there is that word again that froward mouth that ungoverned mouth but notice in this uh, context here the word froward uh, also includes to show yourself uh, to, to, to prove that you're right and see what it says there the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride, and arrogancy in the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. The forward mouth is associated with somebody who has pride. The, the forward mouth, in this case, is associated with somebody uh, who is arrogant. Uh, 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 okay, so number three is this. If you want people to respect your opinion, it is usually best to only give your opinion when you've been asked for it. If you want people to respect your opinion, you're usually better off if you'll wait and only give it when you've been asked for it. Have you ever heard the phrase, unsolicited advice is seldom heeded and never appreciated? It's a pretty common phrase. And the reason for that is if I give you my opinion about what you should be doing, I have started off in the negative without you asking my opinion about what you're doing, when I give my opinion, what I'm doing is, I'm telling you what you've been doing was wrong. I start off on the negative footnote. You know, I, I you, know, you never walk up to somebody and say, boy, what you've been doing is really good, that is great, I really appreciate the way you do it, and, and, and let me give you my opinion about why you're doing it right. You never hear anybody say that, hardly ever. But you but we all walk up to people that have that have not asked our opinion and we say let me tell you what you ought to be doing let me show you how you should do it let me let me help you with that let me let me tell you and without saying it <laughs> you're doing it wrong you all to listen to me and I'll help you and get you to do it right so the the reason people don't respect our opinion when we give it without being asked for it is because we start off on a on a negative, uh, on a negative uh, play, uh, uh, foundation that we have to overcome. When I give advice that I've not been asked for, I'm usually not trying to help the person I'm speaking to. I'm usually trying to prove to that person and everybody else that's listening that I know more than you know. Rarely ever do I just walk up to somebody... That didn't ask me my opinion and start giving it with a pure motive in my heart that I'm really trying to help that person. Now that might be an exception when I do it for my own child or somebody like that, and 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 there is a place down the line. Uh, I think it's like point twenty-five or twenty-six or something way down the line. There is a place for you to give your opinion when you're not when you haven't been asked for it. When it's your child, when you're the teacher in the classroom. Uh, when, when you're the boss on the job, etc., cetera, et cetera. There's many places like that. But in most cases, except for those those exceptions, in most cases, when I walk up to you and start giving you my opinion, I'm not really trying to help you. I'm trying to prove to everybody else I'm smarter than you. Number four, I told you they got better. I don't know if they're getting better or not, but I believe they will eventually. Number four. Number four, turn back to the book of Job, if you would, please. Job chapter 32. Job chapter 32, where we were a few minutes ago. I'd like to show you something that we read a moment ago, but point out something just a little bit different. Look at uh, Job chapter 32, verse 2. Job 32, verse 2 says... Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram. Notice these words. Against Job was his wrath kindled. Now if you would, skip down, uh, look down at verse 3. Also, notice this word, against his three friends was his wrath kindled. My third point is this. If you want people to respect your opinion, Express more positive opinions than you do negative opinions. If every single time you give your opinion about something, you're criticizing somebody, you haven't really proven anything. You know, I can watch anybody do anything and think of something critical to say about it. You know, anybody can stand at the finish line and watch somebody run a race. And even win the race, and at the finish line, point out something that he could have done better. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm more interested in being at the starting point and putting somebody in the race that I personally trained. You know, there's a big difference between the two. And so uh, I'm saying tonight, if you want people to respect your opinion, express more positive opinions then you do negative opinions. Uh, are any of you, I'm sure you are, are you, some of you, I'm sure you're familiar with the the uh, the Christian newspaper called The Sword of the Lord. Have you heard of that? I'm sure many of you have. It was started by a man named John R. Rice, evangelist John R. Rice, started it many, many years ago. Well, John R. Rice had a half-brother, Bill Rice. They had the same father, different mothers because of the, the, the death of the first mother. And Bill Rice, John R. Rice's half-brother, was uh, was also an evangelist. And Bill Rice used to tell this story about himself. Now, I wouldn't get up and tell it if it wasn't for the fact that that he told it. But he used to tell this story about himself. He said when he was a young evangelist, he went to preach a revival one time at a church, like I came here this week. But he was there for the whole week. And Monday night, he said he preached something about, you know, he was against, um, you know, alcohol or something. I don't remember what it was. And then on Tuesday night, he preached that he was against uh, smoking cigarettes. And then on Wednesday night, he was against uh, X-rated movies. And on Thursday night, he was against uh, adultery or something, you know. And he said some of the deacons came to him after the service on Thursday night. And he said they said, Brother Rice, uh, we've enjoyed having you here this week. We agree with all your preaching, and we appreciate it. And, and, but, you know, Brother Rice, all your preaching has been negative. Everything you've preached, you were against something. And they said, we, we would really appreciate having some positive preaching. Now, Bill Rice told this when he was older, that this is what he did when he was young. He was new, he was just getting into evangelism. He said he got up on Friday night and he told the congregation what the deacons had said to him Thursday night after the service. And so he said tonight, I am preaching on the fact that I am positive I am against alcohol. I am positive I am against cigarettes and and he used to tell that story when he was older, that he did that when he was younger. You know, people will respect your opinion more if you will occasionally tell what you're for and not just tell what you're against. To tell what you are for more than what you tell that you're against, uh, it, that, that way you can agree with what someone else is doing. Okay, one of the greatest things that my pastor ever taught me about rearing children this. When I had three daughters and they were pretty young, my pastor taught one time that children should be complimented more than they're scolded. And I'd never thought of that before I heard him say that. And I got to the point with my three daughters that I would even keep scolding. And if and if if I needed to correct something, and I don't mean something life or death, like they were about to walk out in front of a car or something, you know. I mean, I would correct that immediately. But something that needed to be corrected, but it didn't have to be corrected right this minute, I would sometimes check my score, And I would notice that, okay, this week so far I have scolded her four times. But I've only complimented her two times. And so I would literally keep a three-by-five card in my pocket and an ink pen and nobody knew what I was doing but me. And I would look for reasons to compliment that daughter until I got the score up. Until I even the score. Then I would take her out to eat. And buy her a new dress. And uh, sit down and talk to her. And, and just having a great conversation. And in the middle of it, then I would say, now sweetheart, there's something we need to talk about. And I would correct whatever it was. One of the best things he ever taught me was that if if, if I would compliment my children more than I scold them, they would accept the, the scolding better. And if you'll give more positive opinions than you do negative opinions, people accept the negative opinions better. But you know, here's the problem. If I tell you what I'm against that you're doing, that promotes me as if I'm smarter than you. But if I tell everybody that I am for what he's doing, then that promotes him as being as smarter, smarter than me, and I dead sure don't want to do that. <laughs> Isn't that our nature? Or don't leave me up here on the island by myself? <laughs> is your nature as carnal as mine is? You know? Do you do you want to promote yourself more than you want to promote somebody else? Probably. Yeah, exactly. All right, so. Let's see what time it is. Let's give you one more real quick. One more. Uh, Go to uh, Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. And the reason I want to get this one in right quick, I'll admit to you, it's probably my favorite one on the whole list. Proverbs chapter 18. And we're going to read one verse. Proverbs 18 and we're going to read verse 13. I'm going to give you one more and I'll end here tonight. Proverbs chapter uh, 18 verse 13. 13 says I'm going to let you find it because I want you to see the whole verse. Proverbs 18.13 says He that answereth a matter before he heareth it it is a folly and a shame unto him. So my fifth point is this. If you want people to respect your opinion only give your opinion when you have been totally Young has heard one statement about some big issue, and he immediately gave his opinion based on that one statement. But I didn't really know what was going on in the whole thing. I tell you one of my favorite stories I love to tell. You remember the two George Bushes that were our president? Remember, the, I, I, I get their initials mixed up, so I call them George Bush Sr. and George Bush Jr. That's not accurate, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay, well, whatever. I never, can, I never can keep up with it. So uh, George Bush, Jr. was president, and when he finished being president, he wrote his memoirs. And in those memoirs, it's called uh, Decision Points is the name of the book. Uh, great book, except for the last chapter. I didn't care for a couple things in there. But anyway, uh, great book. Great book. And, and, he, and George Bush, Jr. said that while, when he be, first became president, he had been president for about two or three months, And some issue came up that he needed to make a decision about. But he wasn't confident that he knew exactly what to do. So he thought, hey, my dad was president and he's been through things like this before. I'll call him and get his advice. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? So George Bush Jr. calls George Bush Sr. And George Bush Jr. says, Dad, I'm dealing with this, this, and this. Would you give me your opinion about it? And George Bush Senior said, when you allow every member of your cabinet to give me his opinion about the issue, and when you allow me to see your daily uh, uh, security uh, briefings that that you get about all the issues that are going on in the world, when you allow me to see those every single day for a month, he said, then I'll give you my opinion about that issue. Until then, I don't have an opinion. Boy, I wish Ray Young had known to do that a long, long time ago. I'm afraid there's been way too many times that I hurt someone because I gave my opinion when I didn't really know all the facts. So it is a shame and a folly. Someone to answer a matter before he's even heard it. (laughs) But I've done that way too many times. Maybe uh, the Lord will lead for me to bring up this subject again someday and maybe we can give you some more of the points. But I feel like if you just knew those five, it could transform your life, it could transform your marriage, it could transform your relationship with your family members and your co workers. I believe you could take those five things and go back to work and get a promotion eventually. Just because. You know, I read one time that they did a survey of, I don't remember how many, but dozens or hundreds of the uh, CEOs of some of the major companies in America. And they did a survey of what do you look for when you're trying to promote somebody to the next level of leadership in your company. And the number one answer they got, not everybody gave this answer, but the one answer that they got the most was, we look for someone who can get along with everybody else. If you take these five things back to work, you'll be able to get along with almost everybody. If you just did those five things, then maybe someday we'll give you some of the, the other 20, 21 or points or so. But I believe that every one of us could correct something in our life just on this. Could I have every head bow?